Hey everyone, welcome to episode 229 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. It's just the two of us this week. Andy is missing, and hopefully we'll have him back next week. And this week we continue on in our series about While We Wait. And I have to say that without getting too down for or making it too dark, that this week While We Wait took on a whole new a whole new meaning in the context of this message series. Late or early, I should say, last week, my brother and my dad were here, and you know it was it was Biketoberfest. For those of you who are in Florida, you may have heard of it. It's a big bike uh, extravaganza. Bikers from all over the country and world sometimes come. It was a smaller event than usual, of course. Thank you to COVID and people not doing as much traveling and gathering in large places. Go figure that one. But anyway, here we were enjoying this great week, putting lots of miles on, basically just riding every day wherever we wanted to and for how far we wanted to. And then we got a message from my dad's younger brother's family, by a couple years younger, my uncle that I grew up with. And he is in the hospital with COVID and pneumonia and was sick for weeks before he finally decided to go in. And things aren't really looking very good for him right now. And we're all just waiting and praying that God pulls him through. But the waiting part of this really took on a different... Wow. Yeah, it just really took on a different meaning when... Here's a waiting where, you know, on one day they think everything looks good. The next day you think, oh, the waiting is kind of over. We're on the, we're on the, you know, we're on the uptick. Things don't look so bad. And then the next day things take a turn for the worse. And it's like the longest day in history while you wait for news and you wait for there to be any change in a condition so that you kind of know how to set yourself up for what's coming. And it really made me think about even just Abraham and Job. And of course, Joseph, this week that we talked about, it just makes you stop and think and look at each of those individual situations a little bit differently. So anyway, if you're of the praying sort, and I trust that many of you are, an extra prayer from my Uncle Bill would be greatly appreciated this week. We're hoping everything comes out at least in the way we want to. Of course, you know, after going through these stories, we always, you know, we know that it's not always the way it ends that the way those involved in the story would hope. But we do know, especially through the story of Joseph, that God can make a lot of really good things come from those that have to wait and that suffer. And so anyway, enjoy every moment and just remind yourself to Call that uncle or call that aunt or grandpa and grandma or whoever and just let them know that, you, that you're thinking about them, that you miss them, that you love them, because you might not get that chance tomorrow. So let's move on. Last week I said that maybe there's no Bible character that we resonate more with when times are tough and the waiting that long than Job. And well, that's probably still true. Andy threw me a curveball this week and and threw Joseph into the mix, which is my favorite Bible character, bar none. The story of Joseph has just got too many, too many layers, too many family ties, too many curveballs that you don't see coming until you know the story. And Joseph definitely had some waiting to do during his life. Hard waiting, without a doubt. Hated by his brothers. He's then sold as a slave, wrongly imprisoned as a slave. I mean, that's like the ultimate slap in the face, right? Like being a slave isn't bad enough. And then, hey, let's become a slave that's imprisoned. 
through no fault of your own, you know, other than you stood up for what was right. You did the right thing as even as a slave. And now now you're in prison on top of it. But then it's also a little difficult to feel really sorry for Joseph at times when you see his early life story and realize that oof, he added quite a bit of fuel to the fire of hate in his brothers and doing more than a little to bring about the circumstances that got this fate rolling. But at the end of the day, I mean, do you ever wonder, I don't know, Jeff, this is something that just kind of came as I was thinking about this and listening to the message. Do you ever wonder what the outcomes would be like if different decisions are made? Oh, all the time. The what yeah. ifs? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's, the, that's one of the things that you start to see is <laughs> that Joseph, you know, he kind of answers a little bit of that in terms of saying, you know, those all those what ifs what if the brothers were not so vindictive what if the brothers were not so jealous what if joseph wasn't such a spoiled kind of child i guess what? you could say that <laughs> but you know all these things you know we look at terms of cause and effect or we look at these kind of things in terms of well did he deserve that or maybe he did maybe he didn't we always look at you know the results of our actions. But, you know, in a sense, there's some things that, that they're just, you know, they weren't, they weren't in Joseph's control and right, yeah. uh, they, they weren't, uh, you know, that was taken away in a sense from him. He, he couldn't force uh, the traders that he got traded to, to bring him back to his father. Right. Um, yeah. He, he could not, you know, measure the outcome of that, experience with Potiphar and then Potiphar's wife. And, you know, it's all those things. And yet uh, they all are worked through by God. It all, you know, the story is kind of an interesting story because you see some things that you can control, some things you can't, some things that do look like they should be blamed. But in all in all, again, what, you know, what is shown at the very end is that through all of this, God is still able to work. Which is very fascinating to me. Yeah, that that you know God works through so many what ifs. You know, because we all look at it from the standpoint of, well, God wouldn't been able to do it if that happened, or but yeah. you know, and yet that's not the case. Yeah, I I don't think often that the outcomes would have necessarily been, been different. Yeah, been different. But I think just the route that we would have taken. To mm -hmm. get there, maybe would have been different. I, so I, it's just it's always an interesting quandary that I find myself in when stories like this that I I usually go to to read when I'm not doing my daily thing or just like, hey, I'm, I'm going to sit down and just read the Bible. I'm in the mood to just sit down and read something good or something just edifying to myself. And a lot of times I'll pick it up and I'll just read about Joseph. And what you just mentioned about Potiphar, like he didn't have a choice about what Potiphar did to him. And Andy made a quote. He said, there is little doubt that if Potiphar had fully believed the story, he would simply have had his slave put to death. But no, he sent to the king's right? prison. Yeah. And I've often wondered that same thing just from the standpoint that Potiphar had to know that – this person he had trusted that he was worthy of that trust. Number one, because he had proven himself time and time again, God was blessing him and all and everything that he did. And then it almost seems to me like 
Potiphar had to know that maybe his wife was a little bit flirty <laughs> or, you know, like maybe this wasn't the first time. That's always the, that's always the feeling. I mean, I, it doesn't say that in the story, of course, but right. it, all, it just seems to me like this, this is plays out to me. Like, yeah, I, I know, I know what you're up against brother, but I can't, I can't let you off the hook because what would it look like for me in my position for, you know, to side with you in your position and, you know, happy wife, happy life. I mean, sorry, bro. You're the, you're the odd guy out. Right. But it does seem like he had to have known. Do you think that you agree with that? Oh yeah. I agree with Andy. I, I and I agree with you. I think it was expedient for him to do it this way. I mean, <laughs> and there's a whole nother side of this and that is in Babylonian, Assyrian, an Egyptian culture. What's interesting is usually slaves that were put over, you know, that were put in charge of a person's household. Mm -hmm. There were measures taken, and I'm sure you understand what that means. There were measures taken that would ensure that that person wouldn't be messing around with my wife or my my <laughs> concubine, so to speak. Right, right, and that right. Never, yeah, and that course. never happened to Joseph. In other words, Potiphar trusted this guy pretty implicitly. So to say that he didn't do those measures, he didn't take those measures of, you know, basically making Joseph a eunuch right. um, helps us to understand the kind of character that that Potiphar identified in Joseph. That right. Joseph actually was not one of those who was, you know, forced in a sense to to be um, a eunuch. And in that respect, there's something to be said about the you know the kind of trust that Potiphar had in him, which is an interesting piece. Yeah. And that just makes the story to me all that much. Oh, I don't know. It just it it really brings home that someone in the worst situation, again making these right decisions, having God bless you because of it, no matter how you got there. And then to have that level of respect and trust as a slave, and mm -hmm. it, every time we think about why why do I want to do things that I know God doesn't want for me? Why would I not pick the things that I'm pretty sure he wants for me and absolutely the things that I know he wants for me? When, when you're treated this way, I mean, this isn't just by happenstance that this trust and all of this is given and all of this responsibility is entrusted to him. And until it goes bad, it's so good, right? I mean, it just <laughs> – and I, I just think that when you look at his life at this stage, and he's got to be thinking, man, you know, God is good. He's taking care of me. Here's Potiphar. I love working for Potiphar. This is like the best – if I wasn't a slave, this is probably the best job a guy could have in Egypt here for working for Potiphar. This is good. Life is good. And then just to live that way without knowing the future and knowing what's coming. You know, of course, if you're looking at down the road and you're going, oh, no, this is going to end. This is going to end really poorly for you, my friend. But I, I yeah. love to think of his life in this time, in this way, and what Potiphar entrusts to him and just just showing what God's trusting in what God wants us to do, what that does to the people around us that aren't believers. I think there's a huge story there. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's a really, and I, I don't know if we can really comprehend really the kind of, um, the kind of life that was actually in front of Joseph or behind Joseph and then what was in how he viewed the life in front of him. 
I don't know if, you know, this whole scenario, the, the story of Abraham, the story of Isaac, and then the story of, of uh, Jacob and his, you know, his 12 sons. And here's Joseph seeing that already, you know, his, his grandfather, his great grandfather, knowing these stories. I, you know, what does that do to somebody? Because Jake, you know, Joseph through this is extremely resilient. At least that's how the story is portrayed. Right. Yeah. That you, you would think that there would be this, this depression that would fall on this young man who, <laughs> first of all, is taken away from his family and, and the security that that brings. And, and all of the, the, the he was going to be literally the one who was going to run the family. He was going to be the one that basically was given the birthright. Yeah. And yet that's all taken away. Then he gets thrown as a slave. Then he gets put in prison. And and yet there's this, this at least in the story, we're told that there's this huge, huge, resilient character of Joseph and how he goes from one thing to the next, just like you say. And yet each time he finds a way to come on top in a way, at least in uh, on top of where you are stationed. Sure. And um, so I can't, I, you know, I can't imagine because we, we want to put it in our, in our context. I can't imagine the kind of, and I guess resilience is the best word for it, but this kind of faith that Joseph had to believe that even in the worst of situations, that God was still working through it. I mean, that's, that was his, that was the mantra that he explained to his brothers and his father when they were all reunited. Sure. Um, and, and, and knowing it. those stories that I'm sure were handed down from yeah, Abraham yeah. and, you know, maybe I hadn't thought about it that way before, but maybe that's part of what we should be looking closer at is, you know, the heritage that we have in the family and in the lineage of Christ, that knowing that he's coming back for us, and knowing that in the same way that Abraham was going to be the father of nations and, you know, that you're in his lineage. And, you know, maybe that was part of, like you said earlier about maybe, how, you know, that's how he maybe got through some of these things, always thinking for the positive, always looking for the ways to be that contributor, knowing that somehow God has to have my back. If he's, if his promise to my great grandfather was true, and if he's a, a God of his will, which he has so far shown himself to be, then we just have to trust and and stay this, stay the course, stay this positive person and just, you know, find the best in whatever you are, wherever you are yeah. and just move forward. That's good. I like that. It's something that we can well, hold on to as well. Yeah. And I think it's an example for us. Uh, and I think of myself as a parent because a lot of times, you know, a, a teenager is going to look at a, a particular uh, scenario and, you know, pretty much make it themselves. And maybe that's how Joseph interpreted the dreams that he had as, at a young age. Maybe that's how he interpreted the, the coat that his father made from. But we all look at that as what was, you know, what was Jacob thinking when he made this coat for Joseph? You know, it just <laughs> seems like he was making it harder on Joseph, yeah. so to speak. But in reality... I mean, I, you know, again, I, who's to say that Joseph didn't look back 
at those revelations in a completely different way now. Sure. And helping yeah. him understand what what appears to us as be you know to be somewhat egotistical, almost narcissistic uh, visions of grandeur, so to speak, <laughs> that I'm going to be head of. But maybe those were placed in him. Maybe those visions or those night those uh, night dreams or whatever you want to call them were were a part of something that. God was preparing Joseph from a standpoint of, look, it is not about the ruling of your brothers. It is not about you getting the best and better uh, things beyond your brothers or even the birthright. What it's about is it's I am I am watching over you. I'm with you. And maybe that was what held Joseph through. I don't know. But no, for, like us as, uh, for us as parents to say, look, yes, I want you to be. I want you to prosper. I want you to to be a person that you know is is in a sense respected in your in among your peers and so forth. But more than that, I want you to know that you have a heavenly Father who will never leave you, will never forsake you, and to have that embedded in the psyche of our children is invaluable. I think that's what what was fed to, to Joseph through Jacob. Yeah, and I think obviously you know as we grow older, we we'll look at things that we thought of or thought we knew as teens or as even early twenties and think, hmm, man, was I off? Yeah. That, that yeah. wasn't at all what I thought it was or what it was going to be. And looking back on those dreams, maybe he still didn't have a clear understanding what they meant later on until they actually happened. But that had to be pretty cool to have those dreams and then to watch this unfold, almost like a deja vu, yeah. you know, watching yeah. this unfold in your life. Not, you know, I, I haven't been lucky enough to have any of the, any bowing down dreams or anything like that. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure I'm stationed as I'm supposed to be locked in. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, the other part about this message that I thought really kind of brought it home for me personally, and this is just something I've been interested in over the last, well, I'd say three to five years. Once I started listening to podcasts on a, like a daily basis and started consuming, I have about 50 that I try to keep up with. And I don't always do a very good job. But two that I, I really, really like uh, deal with the criminal justice system. And Andy brought in the reference about the Innocence Project, which oh yeah, I've become yeah. familiar with. You know, they have individual branches in, in most states and, you know, you can engage them to work on your case. And there's two podcasts that I listen to. One is called Ear Hustle, which is produced by the inmates of San Quentin Prison. Um, I got to meet the team at Podcast Movement a couple years ago. It's not for the faint of heart. It is very – it's in a very – an adult podcast because obviously it's dealing with very adult themes and very adult things that happen in prison. But just relating that to something that he went through, meaning Joseph, way back in the in the Bible to now, and there are people, you know, that are wrongly convicted every single day in this country. And uh, another one called Truth and Justice with Bob Ruff, they, they work with the Innocence Projects to actually free people that have been wrongly convicted. Getting yourself free is one thing. Getting yourself exonerated is another and, you know, mm -hmm. it's interesting when you get past the media and the Hollywood's portrayal of prisons and prisoners, you realize that there are a lot of Josephs out there. And even so, even more so, a lot of people that 
maybe we're like the guy in the story that Andy told Albert Woodfox, who was kept in solitary confinement in Angola prison for 43 years. Yeah, over four decades. And you're thinking to yourself, how does one person stay sane? I mean, think of uh, 43 days, 43 43 months even, but 43 years. And it was so simple what he said. Every day you start over. You look for the humanity in each individual. By the time I was 40, I saw how I had transformed my cell, which was supposed to be a confined space of destruction and punishment, into something positive. I used that space to educate myself, that space to build strong and moral character. I used that space to develop principles and a code of conduct. I used that space for everything other than what my captors intended it to be. And it's like, oh, that, I mean, where do you come up with, and I guess 43 years will do that to you. But, you know, all of these, all of these things that are meant by the devil to trap us, to hold us, to confine us, to make us think we're not good enough. And Andy listed a bunch of them. So if you haven't, if you haven't listened to the message, go back and do it because he probably talked about one thing that maybe you're snared in. I know he did one, at least one for me of things where you just find yourself trapped in these, these boxes where you maybe feel sorry for yourself, or maybe you're too busy to do things that, you know, to be this contributor that you think you could be, if you just had more time or all these different things. And I, I just really liked how that story And then what we've been talking about at the church about racism and social injustice. And so if you, you know, if you, if you don't know anything about the innocence projects, I would just encourage you to take a few minutes and look them up and see how you might be involved. I've supported the truth and justice podcast as a listener, as a contributor, as uh, someone who's uh, donated to some of the causes. And it feels good to be a part of something that's doing something for people that are kind of caught in this system that is just it just picks people and, and throws them in with no regard to the truth or of course not to justice. So just kind of in line with what we've been talking about here at the church and in the story of Joseph, I thought that was a really, really nice tie in. Yeah. You know, this reminds me, uh, and by the way, a lot of it, our, our listeners are a lot of times looking for books. This reminds me of, uh, you know, of a book by Victor Frankel who mm. was in the, in, um, I think I'm, I want to say he was in, in Auschwitz. Oh, was he the, the guy but, in the video? Um, no, no, okay. no, Victor no. Franco. Uh, Victor Frankel um, is somewhat of a, re- a fairly well-renowned uh, psychologist. Um, but he, he wrote a book, I think it's called man's search for meaning. Anyway, he, he talks about this very thing that you just mentioned in terms of, uh, he, they, you know, for a while it was called logotherapy. I think it might still be a, a, a modality that a lot of people practice. But um, he talks about this idea of not succumbing to those ideologies of your captors. Mm. In other words, to every day look at the the how you're going to see yourself and the language you're going to say to yourself, and every day is this opportunity to, to change the narrative that others would like for you to mm, adopt yeah. and continue to write your own narrative, which I think, and, and that was the idea of local therapy is, is that you can change. Yes. You're still in this environment, but you can't, you can't, you can still change what uh, the story you write for yourself, which I think is, is very much what you're talking yeah. about. We can't 
uh, there's just no way we could survive. I couldn't anyway survive, uh, you know, four four years of of solitary confinement without having something totally reconstructive of you know in terms of your thinking about what is actually going on. <laughs> You'd have to be. The, I'd go. I'd go the, crazy. This extrovert yeah. would be nuts after four days. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> like, give me somebody yeah. to talk to. So, yeah. well. I really appreciated the message. So Andy, if you do get a chance to listen to this, know that we really appreciated the message and I appreciated the inclusion of the Innocence Project because, again, I just feel like it's a way that a lot of us that don't always know what to do, there are stories out there. There are people that need even just basic help. With the Truth and Justice podcast, you can donate some time. They'll have You can do transcription. It's just a way to, to lend any of the talents that you might have to someone. I mean, this means the world to someone who's in prison that didn't do the crime, right? And so just, just like yeah. with Joseph, they had the baker and the – what was it, the other one? The baker and the, um, the cupbearer. The cupbearer? Um... Yeah. Yeah. Cup bearer for the for the, you know, for here, the king, the here pharaoh. You think, yeah. you know, here's people that you think are gonna help get you out and you know, the whole thing goes south for a while and it's like, oh, all they need and, and when you listen to these podcasts, you listen to these men in, and women in prison that are like just to have anyone that might believe your story and help with hope and provide a little hope is means everything while you're inside. So anyway, we'll get off that soapbox and we'll continue on with our whole life takeaway this week asked, how can you commit to being a contribution in every circumstance while we wait? And, you know, this might be one of those questions that you just kind of you type it out, you write it out, you cut it out and you paste it on the mirror in your bathroom or on the dash of your car, just as a reminder in the forefront of our daily routine as Christians for our own happiness and for the happiness of others. We know that helping and doing for others brings us joy and blessings. And yet we often discard opportunities because I'm too busy or how come someone isn't helping me? I'm, I'm the one in the midst of it. I mean, do you, do you know my problems? Maybe if we start finding ways to start out our days with this contribution mindset, we can carry it through those tough waiting times and find blessings like Joseph did and, and in the end, like Job did after that waiting time is over. So what about you? Anything come to mind for the ways that you've made this commitment or ways you're thinking about making this commitment after hearing this message? Of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas. You can send a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or email podcast at wholelife.church. Final thoughts are from Andy's message. He said, I think about the mundane reality we all find ourselves in at one time or another of simply waiting in line. We can stress over someone cutting line. We can fume at the inefficiency of those working the counter to which we're headed. And if you're like me right now, you're thinking in your head of all the lines you stand in where these are absolutely true. We can wish ourselves some other place. We can be as unpleasant as the wait itself or... Or we can say to ourselves, this is my life right now. This is the time. This is the place where I can contribute. I will be a contributor. I'll make a contribution and just reinforce that. Man, how true is it that we find ourselves in the mundane reality? Maybe Floridians and theme park people know that more than anyone else. Or maybe at the checkout line in Aldi. Oh, sorry. Sorry. But, you know, there's never enough lines open ever. But today I went in for leaf lettuce and a bag of bagels. Did I say that right? No. See, someone's going to someone's gonna say, that was your Wisconsin accent, but I don't know how else to say it. 
and two people with carts loaded to the brim let me walk right through and sent me to the front of the line. That's making a contribution because I made it home to have in time to have lunch with my girls. So that was a win. All right, next week, what do we we have one more, right? Right uh right, Jeff? Yeah, I think so. Do, do we, yeah, um let's see. I wrote it down here. Where do I have it? Oh, Moses. Oh, man. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's on the leadership of Moses. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, every week you think like, oh, man, Job. You can't top Job for while we wait. And then you're like, man, oh, Joseph. Yeah, that's a good choice, too. And then Moses. <laughs> oh, poor Moses. 40, 40 years. <laughs> 40 years, Moses. Well, plus. 40 years plus. That was just the... That was just a desert trek. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting uh, <laughs> scenario, especially with the conversation at the end with God, right, or with, <laughs> and how He perceives it. So this, this is, is good. good. I'm good. excited. So is yeah. is Andy preaching next week, or is it? Uh... Uh, yeah, okay. Andy is uh, got got this one. Next All week. right. Well, as always, we will invite you to join us on Tuesday evening for Speaking of Grace. That is the message podcast from Whole Life Church. It's the message condensed down to a podcast, so it's easy for you to take on the go. If you've never listened, swipe up in this podcast episode you're listening to. Swipe up in the show notes, and there is a link directly to that, and you can listen on your favorite podcast player or on our mobile player that uh, resides on our website or on mobile. And, of course, next Tuesday, we'll be back for another edition of of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. And we'll be talking about Moses. So yeah. think about that while we wait. See, 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 see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, 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 I got that. that. Yeah, yeah. That, that wasn't that clever. I just <laughs> thought it would be funny. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys, and have a great week. Thanks, Randy. <laughs> uh, Randy trying to be clever, and it wasn't really that. It wasn't. Yeah, there and then, you go. And then Randy laughs at his own jokes. That's <laughs> he can't help it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's okay to be a little corny. My 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 kids always said, "Dad, you're such a door a dork," but we love you. <laughs> That's pretty much what Ellie says too. She's like, "Dad, I don't know." Yeah. I sent her the worst dad jokes in history, and she still loves me. So I don't know. I guess I guess I'm <laughs> doing something all right then.